Amen. We appreciate the Lord tonight. Uh, pray for us. Um, Lord, to help us just for a little while. And uh, we've been like different people, sort of been hoarse about all day and last night. Maybe Lord help us for a little while. <clears throat> I don't know exactly. I, I felt the Lord yesterday, or last night, um, speak to my heart. I felt like he did. And... Uh, and I remember uh, an, one of my nieces back when they were just little kids. Um, it's been a long time since I'd stop, I thought about the little story, and uh, I was reminded about it last night, sometime during the night time. And uh, I won't tell you the little story, and you've probably heard it, and it's not hard to figure out. But this is where I felt like that. Uh, um, the Lord would uh, have us to, uh, to read from later. Uh, it, it was the story went like this. It said there was a group of people flying in an airplane. And uh, they were flying high, high altitudes and said uh, uh, the plane started giving trouble. Motor falls off a wing and all that stuff. And next thing you know, the, the airplane makes its plunge to the earth. As it plunges at a uh, high rate of speed and, and hits the earth, it just so happened to land on the border of the United States and Canada. And after all that was said, it said, the question was asked, where would you bury the survivors? Anybody know? Huh? You don't bury survivors. Uh, and so they was telling that in a little catchy way. And um, if the Lord would help us just for a little bit, I want to preach on where do you bury the survivors. Amen. Where do you bury survivors? And we know that a survivor supposedly is somebody that has uh, come through something and on the other side of it and they still exist. They survived it. And uh, uh, we, uh, we find that life is a, is a lot of, seems to me like there's a lot of surviving from time to time. But I read in the Bible, and I'm, I don't know if I'll read everything that I've, I've got here in, uh, run off in the Bible, but I'll, I'll read some portions of it or tell you about a lot of it. In Genesis 23 and verse 1, Here's the story of uh, Sarah and Abraham. The Bible says, And Sarah was a hundred and seven and twenty years old, and these were the years of the life of Sarah. If a uh, hundred and twenty-seven years old. And Sarah died in Kirjarth uh, Bah. And the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up, uh, up from before his dead and spake to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the children of Heth uh, answered Abraham, saying unto him, Hear us, my Lord. Thou art a mighty prince among us. In the choice of our sepulchres, bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee his sepulchre, but thou mayest bury thy dead. And Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the, 
to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat me uh, to Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me a cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of his field, for as much money as it is worth, he shall give it me a possession for a burying place among you. We find reading on that he he uh, purchased this place and and uh, uh, he buys the land with four hundred shekels of silver in verse fifteen, and uh, and it said here that after this Abraham buried in uh, chapter twenty three verse nineteen. Sarah, his wife, in the cave in the field of Machpelah before Mamre, uh, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. The field in the cave is therein, and made sure unto Abraham for possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. Um, in chapter 24, we find here that Abraham has experienced one of the most dreaded things in life sometimes is giving up one of the family members. And especially his wife of many years had come now and gone. And um, it, it, was, it was a great ordeal for him. And uh, uh, he, he, he could have done a lot of things. The Bible said here, as Abraham began to live on. In chapter 24, verse 1, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant, his house that ruled over the, all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I'll make thee to swear by the Lord, the Lord God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take uh, a wife unto my son of the daughters of Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country, to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. It, it, here he has experienced, and I, I guess I might use the term, a plane crash. And um, not too long ago, I heard of, uh, of a plane crashing, and ordinarily it would have killed uh, a person. How many remembers over next to uh, uh, what they call Taylor's Valley a few years ago, the plane crashed there, and the old man was flying out of North Carolina going to Abbey, and his plane crashed, and, but he survived it. He, uh, he was able to, he landed, didn't land it, it, it landed in a mountain area, but he was able to survive that with his life. But you know, all survivors don't live on. But we find the story of Abraham, God's chosen man, to, and God had promised him about his seed. But as, uh, as uh, his... His, his life began to change because death had come to his wife and, and things. But yet, he looked about and he was still yet concerned uh, about his son and who he would marry and the things that would happen after him. Uh, we find in this situation that Abraham was a survivor, but he was a survivor that lived on. and He was a survivor that didn't just uh, uh, go back and say, well... I, I'll always live in yesteryears and yesterday, and I won't go on any farther than that. Well, that wasn't God's plan, and, and we find that many things come people's way, one way or another. Some, some circumstances in his life that we wish they wouldn't that way, but they happen that way. But I want to tell you tonight, there's been those that's been through things in their lifetime, and they're as a dead person living tonight.
Amen. Because they've refused to venture into the day. They have refused to accept that uh, this is the way life is. And this is the way things is, is about, uh, happens. I know we refer to Brother Pete so often and so many times. There's been men that's lost both limbs, and I'll tell you what, they survived the losing of the limbs. But spiritually, Brother Pete, they endure not just a, a, a spiritually in the Lord, but their spirit within them died that day. It died that day. They no longer wanted to live. They no longer wanted to do anything. They no longer wanted to enjoy life. But I'm thankful tonight that there was something in Brother Pete Hayden that caused him to want to, even though that uh, uh, he went through that ordeal with, the, with his legs, he's going through an ordeal with his eyes. He can't hardly see who, who people are. Uh, with Sister Annie, most of you have seen that. I wonder tonight how many would survive that? How many would still pick up and, and make a way to come to church and come to the house of God? Praise the Lord. Brother Pete, they could have buried you at the quarry if they'd have wanted to, and I'm not talking about in the ground, but you could have buried yourself right in that house. He could have withdrawn himself from the public and from society and friends and people and just placed himself right there. Sometimes we just look at things and we wonder where they're going to bury the survivors. Amen? Where are they going to bury the survivors? And we know, Brother Pete, it ain't God's plan. Your, your time has not come yet to die. Amen. It hadn't come yet. Let's read a few more verses here. Amen. Just an, another illustration here. In Acts chapter 27, we find here that uh, uh, Paul and them was on the ship and they were, they were making their journey and they ran into a storm and many things happened during this time. But Paul being a... a, a uh, a man that was uh, known for prayer and verse 18 and being exceedingly tossed with a tempest the next day they lightened the ship and the third day we cast out our, uh, with our hands all the tackling of a ship when neither sun nor stars in many days appear no small tempest lay on us and all hope that we should be saved was taken away amen all hope look like going to be taken away Looked like there wasn't going to be any survivors. Looked like they weren't going to pull through this storm this time. Glory to God. I felt the surge from heaven. Glory to God. Looked like this time it not, might just be it. But I'm going to tell you tonight, there, it may look like it to me and you and, and other people all around us, but I'm going to tell you what. It, praise the Lord. It's up to God whether we make it through the storm. But Paul, being, being, being the only one on the ship that I know of right now that was close to God, it said, but here, that after all hope was taken away, what does Paul do? He said, but after a long absence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed from Crete and have gained this harm and loss. <clears throat> he said here, we could, have, uh, we could have avoided all this, but it's happened. Now what are we going to do? All hope is lost, look like. Now I exhort you, be of good cheer, for there shall neither there shall not uh, be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. 
Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told to me. Amen. He said here, he said, and I, I believe when Paul was gone away, Andy, in his absence, I don't believe he was over there just uh, scratching his head wondering what he was going to do, but I believe he went into a, a, a season of prayer before the Lord and just soon as God saw that Paul's name had come up and he called on heaven, he sent the angel of God down and began to comfort Paul, began to exhort to him, began to give him instructions, said, Paul, I want you to be of good cheer. Man, you're going to have to be happy. You're going to have to encourage those that's on this ship because they're in a shape right now that they can't encourage yourself. Amen. Praise the Lord. Have you ever been there? I have. That I just didn't feel like I could encourage myself, let alone somebody else. But God sent somebody by with the right words, with the right whatever, and, and it encouraged me, or the right spirit came by, and it lifted up my spirit. And so he said, he told him here, he said, uh, he said, then fearing lest we should have fallen upon the rocks, verse 29, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen, shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, and when they let down the boat into the sea under a collar, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, many times I've read this. I don't reckon I ever understood it. I thought I did. But if you'll read that real slow, you know what they were doing? They were making their way escape, and they won't nobody know it. They let down their anchors. They let cast down their anchors uh, as uh, they put the boat. They're letting the boat down the water as, under the color as though they would have cast anchors. There was only a boat there, and they figured out the shipman was the workman of the ship. They were the, the men that was uh, managing this thing. They figured out there ain't but one way out and we're going to be the first on the boat. There ain't one boat on board and we're going to let it down and when we get in, I don't care what happens to the rest. But they let it down under the color that they were just letting anchors down. They didn't want nobody know that they were getting ready to desert the ship and, and take off, praise God, and, and, uh, because it looked like all hope was lost. But God saw him. And he said here in verse 31, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except you bide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. The, you know, ships, especially a lot of you older ships, on that old World War II ship that I went on, the USS Alabama, he'd had a lot of small, small boat crafts on there. And if that ship had started to sink, it was uh, necessary. They let down all these boats that people could get in, all that could, to, because the ship would be going down. But the only boat they had, they cut it loose and let it fall into the water. Man, I, done already said all hope was lost. Now the only boat we had to get out of here is gone. What are we going to do now? Amen. What are we going to do now? You ever been there? You ever felt like the only boat, only way of escape was gone and you missed that boat when it come by? Man, he said here, he said you got to buy in the ship, guys, or, or you're not going to be saved. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them to take meat, saying, this day is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing, hadn't eaten 14 days. Wherefore, I pray you, take some meat, for this is for the, your health, and there shall not a hair of, uh, fall from your head. When he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. When he had broken it, he began to eat. 
Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And, uh, and we were all in the ship, 200, three score, and 16 souls. Isn't that 276 people? Amen. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. My goodness. Hey, Paul, are we crazy? We've done cut the boat loose. There ain't nobody can get off here. We just had a prayer meeting and everybody's thanking the Lord and eating meat and, and all of a sudden and then we come around and they tell us to take what provisions we have and throw them into the ocean, into the sea. What are we going to do now? Man, he put it to a test, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, he put her down there where in the world, God, you're going to have to come by now because we've done got rid of about everything that we could eat. We've then got rid of all the tackling in the ship. We can't sail no more. We don't have a boat to get out of here. How are we going to get out of this fix? Amen. I've wondered that a few times myself. Amen. And he said here, in falling into a place where two seas met, verse 41, they ran the ship aground and the fore part stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land. The rest on some boards and some broken pieces of the ship. So it came to pass that, uh, that they escaped all uh, to the land. Amen. Every one of them, because why? They survived. Why was it? Because they, they didn't, uh, uh, Paul was a man on there that uh, he was wanting to do more than just survive a storm. He had a message to carry over there to a, a group of, uh, of people that didn't believe in God. He had a mission that God had placed him on and uh, he, he didn't just want to uh, have a pity party. You know, sometimes we can have ourselves a pity party and don't invite nobody coming back. He's gone. You care if I have a party beside you? Don't you bother me. You know, when you have pity parties, you try to sit and look little, pitiful. You have a pity party. Ain't nobody likes me. Nobody wants to hear me preach. They don't like my singing. They don't like to be around me. I'll quit. I was quit. I ain't, ain't going to church no more. People there don't want me. People there don't like me. Come on. Y'all ever heard anybody look like that or seen anything like that? Have themselves a, I mean, a certified pity party. And as, as Paul could have sat there and could have said, well, you know, why in the world has all this happened to me? And I'm called of God. Why has this come my way in the fashion that it did when I'm doing all that I can do? Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. We can either survive and be found among the living. Or we can survive and bury ourselves in self-pity. We can bury ourselves in feeling sorry for ourselves. We can bury ourselves in worry. We can bury ourselves in depression. We can bury ourselves in whatever comes our way. But if we want to survive, we can pull through it. We can come out of it. We can come out victorious. 
we can all escape. Everyone escapes safe to the land. In 2 Kings chapter 7, here was the story of four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit here until we die? Why sit here until we die? Number one, they were leprous. What did that pretty well mean? Well, die anyways, didn't it? I'm going to tell you what tonight. Every one of you is going to die unless the Lord comes back and we're alive when he comes. Don't you think tonight that you and I can live good enough to escape death? We'll not do it. We'll not live good enough to escape sicknesses and, and, and things that will come our way from time to time. It will happen. It will come our way. But here these men, they, they looked at their situation and said, Well, and, and they had three options to choose from. I always thought it was two. But after I read and read and I got to look and they had three things that they could do. If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we'll die there. They knew good and well if they go to the city, there wasn't nothing to eat. They knew people was already dying in the city. They knew that uh, not just the disease alone that they had was going to kill them, but if they went where there wasn't no hope and no, nothing else, they knew for certain. second option they, they had was this. and says, if we sit still... We die also. We ain't got nothing to eat here. We're just going to sit around and after a while, leprosy is going to eat us up and we're going to die. We're just going to sit here and we're going to just die and, and that's going to be it. And Maybe nobody even knows what happened to these four carcasses out here in the wilderness somewhere at the gate of the city. He said, or let us fall unto the host, uh, unto the host of the Syrians and if they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we'll just but die. He says the only hope we have is just fall in their hands and, and it'll be up to them whether we live or die. I want to tell you tonight, it ain't up to you and it's not up to me whether we live or die, but it's up to him. It's up to him to, uh, to, uh, to, to decide whether we live or whether we die. But there's one thing about it. It's up to us to determine whether or not we survive or somebody buries a survivor. Amen. There's times in life. Anybody ever been worried sick? Huh? Been worried sick. I mean, worry will bring you down sickly. Worrying, and you say, have you ever worried? My head didn't get white just because it wanted to. I believe a lot of it brought it on by worry. I'll be honest with you. I believe just uh, stress and worry... I wish I didn't worry so much, but I do worry sometimes. I, I worry when I don't think I'm worrying. Things bother me when I don't think things are bothering me. You see? Sometimes we just don't know ourselves like we think we know ourselves. But there's one thing about it tonight. We can either survive. How many like really be a survivor? I mean be a survivor. There ain't too many. We probably won't make it then. You probably won't make it. You'll probably fall off a ship and drown in the sea if you don't want to survive. But if you want to survive, you may get pretty low. But if we can just steal away in that absence like Paul stole away, and we wait for the Lord to speak to us and bring that encouraging spirit to us, I'll tell you what he can do. 
When there ain't no bounce in your step, he can put a bounce in your step. When there ain't a sparkle gem in your eye and you're looking at your shoe top, he can cause you to look up and your eyes just sort of glitter and glow. When there ain't a smile on your face and it looks like all things is, is frowning and, and, and that looks like a situation and ain't it a pretty day? I reckon it is. Boy, don't the birds sing pretty? Can't hear them anyways. Sometimes we can be so negative on life that we can't even enjoy the things that God means for us to enjoy. But we can look at it and say, yeah, I heard the birds. Uh, um, don't sound pretty. A lot of times it depends on our attitude, on how we're looking at things. Amen. I'm not going to tell you that I've always let, not let things get me down and hadn't bothered me because I've been there. I've had things to get me down sometimes, Brother Hub, but I'm going to tell you what, somewhere before I hit rock bottom, there was that hand out of nowhere that came by and began to lift up my spirits, praise God. There was that hand that, 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 that came and, and, and refreshed my soul and my spirit within me. I ain't talking about backsliding. How many has had their spiritual man to get low flame? The flicker was there, but it was low flicker. It was a smoking, but it wasn't a blazing. You didn't feel like going on, but something inside of you kept pulling you on. And finally it pulled you to a place to where that you could enjoy life once again. Amen. I believe this with all my heart. I'm going to preach to the people right now that's not bothered with the uh, not bothered with sin in the fashion of wanting to go out into this world and sin. Worldliness and sinfulness natures do not entice them. They, they have no desire to act like the world, dress like a world, or be like a world. They don't want to be like that. And you would think that a person that's not bothered I'm going to tell you, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm not bothered by dressing like a world. Anybody else in here don't bother you? That don't bother me. Dressing like a world. Looking like a world. I mean, I'm comfortable like I am. I'm happy. I feel good about it. Um, I don't have a desire to cuss. I don't have a desire to, to use anything that would harm my body. You know, you know what I'm saying? I don't have a desire to, to go uh, naked or half naked. I don't have a desire to, to adorn myself with gold and silver. I don't have a desire, Jim, to covet after another man's possessions or their riches or the riches of this world. You would think that, and how many others could identify with me on that part so far, everything I've said? But do you still have problems? Where are they at? How are we going to name them? What kind of title? 
Some people never got over the, the worldly part of it yet. They have never reached the level where you're sitting at tonight. Because they're still having problems with giving up this and giving up that and giving this up and giving that up. You've only begun. But once you reach that point in life, I hope I never get to where I desire to be like I was. I hope I never get to the place to where I want to go back to Egypt to where the melons and the cucumbers and, and, and all the other things that they desired to be down there. I hope I never get to that place, Sister Margaret. But I have problems. I have them sometimes that are unlabeled. I don't know what they are. I feel oppressed. I feel stressed out. Anybody can else identify with that? It seems to be an outward pressure. An outward something that, that comes in to, to restrict us from feeling that liberty. As Andy said, free. So where when we come to the house of God, we could feel like a jumping up and down. We've lived good enough to. But when we get here, there's something binds us in a way. And I'm going to tell you the number one, in my opinion, the number one weapon that the devil has got is a spirit of depression. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm, I'll be the first one to say, have you ever been depressed? Yes, I have. Anybody else? Been depressed. There's different levels of depression. There's different types of depression. I was reading the other day on depression. Anybody, I know Carol had because she told me about it a long time ago and I forgot about it. Anybody ever heard about seasonal depression? Seasonal depression. I have seasonal depression sometimes. I'm going to tell you what, you can like it's getting dark early all you want to, but I don't like it. <laughs> man, I'm a daylight man. The only time I ever liked it, Bobby's when I coon hunted. And that meant I get to go coon hunt and get back home early. Brother Bud still gets to go to work. But I don't like nighttime. It's said that in this seasonal depression that some people has to have so much light, natural light of a day, to function. Got to have so much of it. And I thought about myself and how I, I, I'm, I seem to be more gloomier in the wintertime. Brother Howard, Carol can tell you, I don't like the rain. I mean, I enjoy the rain. I, I'm glad of what it does. But rainy, cloudy days, I ain't as full of it. I don't seem to have that bounce. But let the sunshine come out. Let a brightness come out. Let, let a temperature of about 70 degrees pass by. I feel like a new person. Anybody else go along with that? You can tell. You feel better. That's right. Amen. I want to say again tonight, for you that's not being bothered with all that other, can you again raise your hand and admit, I'm bothered by that other. Sometimes depression. Amen. Bothered by it. You can come here at this church. 
and everything going well, no problems, no nothing. Come to church, and all of a sudden something from on the outside just moving around you, you feel like you can't even stand your feet. You feel like you got the weight of the world on your shoulders. You don't even know what's causing it. You know what it is? It ain't nothing but the devil. It's the devil to keep you and I from enjoying the things of God and the blessings of God because we've lived right. Not that we've lived good enough to deserve it, but we've lived right where he could bless us. But that old spirit comes by. That old spirit comes by and it presses and it squeezes and it twists every bit of the joy almost out of us. And when I get to a certain place like that brother Pete, you know what I do? I don't go and say, I want y'all to pray for me. I, get start, I start praying for myself. I look at myself and I say, God, I don't like feeling like this. God, I want you to help me. God, I want you to bring me out of that. God, I want to, I want to feel... Uh, excited about life again. Amen. Sometimes you may have worries within your immediate family. It may be with your children. It may be with your grandchildren. It even may be with your, yourself to some point. It will seem like restrict your spirit. I know. I've been there. But tonight... You can take it for what it's worth. If the devil can keep us oppressed long enough, he'll eventually get our salvation. We get to where that we don't feel like worshiping God. We don't want to worship God. We just don't seem like we want to do anything. And I've seen it work this way. I've seen people come to the house of God just as soon as they come through those doors, that spirit gets on them. They can leave here. They can go somewhere else. And they're all happy-go-lucky. They're bubbly. They're uppity. They're just ready. They're, I mean, they're just uh, whatever. But when we get to the house of God, you tell me, what is it? It ain't because you don't dress right. It ain't because you've cussed. It ain't because you've stolen. It's not because you've lied. It's not any of those things. It's because there's a devil that don't want us to enjoy God. Because he knows if the church gets on fire, there's going to be people saved around here. But if he can dampen the fire in our life, then he has succeeded in not having a revival. People not getting saved. People not getting healed. People not. And you know, tonight, you say, if you ever worried, you better believe it. I've worried about myself when I was sick. Felt like I was having a nervous breakdown. Thought I had cancer of the thyroid. Thought I had cancer of the lungs. Thought, and, and I do have heart problems. But I'm going to tell you what. I've been low. And I've felt some things come my way since then. But that morning, Brother Tucker, when I walked down that long hallway to answer the phone, didn't know what the message was going to be on the other end. And the nurse said, are you Mr. Miles Wade Kester? I said, yes, ma'am. I believe that's the way she said it, something to that effect. She said, Dr. 
whoever, that lung specialist at Bristol, wants to talk to you. Who? Dr. Bowers wants to talk to you. Man, if I had a heart, it was plumbed in the bottom of my feet. My spirit, Bobby Dow. I believe that I heard the bad news. And I just, I'm thinking, if it had been different than what I thought, I believe it just, it just took me out and buried me. My spirit was nearly gone. I was just about one of those survivors that uh, they're going to take and go out and bury the survivor. But he said, uh, Mr. Kester said, uh, I looked over all your reports. Can't find a sign of cancer. You're doing all right. You're probably healthier than I am. Man, I'm telling you what. My heart come up so fast out of the bottom of my feet. It went up to here. And while it was coming up, it was pushing water out my eyes. And I, 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 as I walked down that hallway, this was wondering and thinking. But boy, when I went back up through there, I was a getting it. I mean, I was a bouncing. I was a feeling good. You know why? Because I was surviving. Praise God. That's been 11 years ago. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm glad, Brother Tucker, y'all didn't have to take me out somewhere and bury me. I'm glad you didn't have to put me in some mental institution somewhere and keep me so doped up on stuff. I didn't know my right hand from my left because of where, but God delivered me. And he blessed my spirit. And I've been different ever since. I believe I have. I've been different ever since. Glory to God. I've felt more than anointing the Holy Ghost ever since that time in my life. Praise God. I want to tell you tonight, if you'll come out a survivor, and I mean don't let them bury you, but you come out a survivor through whatever you are going through, and if you'll let God help you and try to help yourself tonight, I want to tell you what, you can be a different person. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You can be a different person tonight. I'm not going to tell you he won't come back. He won't knock on your door. But I know one thing. When he set me free, he set me free. About that. Amen. I didn't even want Carol to leave a room where I was at. I, didn't, I mean, if I went to the bedroom, I wanted her in the bedroom. If I went to the living room, I wanted her wherever room was at. That's where I wanted her because I, I, had, I don't know what she could have done. But I felt safer. I felt more secure. And I know some of you all, you may have been there. You may have felt that way and everything. And I appreciate all of those that prayed for me and God came by and helped me. I really do. But I want to tell you tonight, where are they going to bury the survivors? I don't want to be buried, do you? I don't know how much time I got, neither do you. But I'll tell you one thing, what time I got, I'd like to enjoy it. Man, I'd, I'd like to know the flowers are blooming. I'd like to know the snow's white. And I'd like to enjoy sleigh riding, forget the sleigh ride. You say, you're 49 years old and want a sleigh ride, you better believe I will. Praise God. I'd like to go hunting, I'd like to go fishing. I told somebody the other day, Bob Caster, you and Jim Kyle better get some good beagles. I'm going to tell you the reason why. And Ralph Tottenden talked it over. It's been a long time since we've been rabbit hunting. and said, we're going to go this year if God helps us. I mean, we made plans. Old Ralph ain't been doing nothing but working. Where you at, Tracy? We plan on a rabbit hunting trip. That's right. And I said, Ralph, we ain't got no dogs, but I know some fellows has got them. 
They ain't letting Teresa go. All right, but I'm, I'm saying all that, say this. I tell you what, you can pull yourself in the house, shut the door, and die, and still be a living. Or you can get out here and enjoy life. Sister Margaret, I'm glad what I hear about you, and I can see a difference. God's helped you, hasn't he? I'm going to tell you what. You're just as close to Thurman Olinger as any woman or man in this church house as close to her spouse. But I'm going to tell you what. You could pull yourself up in that holler and shut the door and sit there and wither away spiritually. But no, I tell you what. As the song said, it'll, it'll never be this exactly the same. But you think, what do you think Thurman Olinger would want her to do? Huh? You think he'd wanted her to have just withdrawn herself? No. I knew him better than that. He wanted her to be happy. Right. Amen. And that's not out of no disrespect. That's, out, that's not out of disrespect. You think he'd want you to laugh again? You think he want you, would want you to go to church again? You better believe he would want her to come to church again. You think he'd want her to get up and sing and be a blessing to people and he encourage people with her singing and her testimony and her preaching? You better believe he'd like for her to do that. He's gone. But you could bury the survivor. You could bury the survivor. But we ain't in the burying the survivor business. Amen. I may not know all I'm preaching about. And I know one thing, God laid it on my heart. Amen. God laid it on my heart. I hope tonight that maybe by God's word that you can leave here encouraged. You can leave here tonight lifted up in spirit. Amen. But you know what? If the devil had his way, you'd never smile again, Sister Margaret. You'd never come to church again. You'd never get up and sing under the anointing again if a devil had his way. But then we're glad tonight he don't always have his way, that the Lord can have his way. Amen. Be a survivor, but be a live one. Amen. Whatever the problem, whether it's heartaches, whether it's sickness, whether it's troubles, whatever it is, I hope and pray you come out on the other side shouting the victory. I mean, you may have to grab a hold of a plank. You may have to grab a hold of something to get a, when the boat's gone and everything else. But I'm going to tell you what. If you're determined, God will make a way for us. He will make a way for us. Brother Bud, you've survived, haven't you? He's another one that misses his wife. Close companion. I'm sure that every time there's a homecoming, he feels that absence. But I believe his wife, in the same token, would have liked to see Brother Bud still back in the house of God. Still walking around these altars. And look back at him and says, I'm waiting on you on the other side. Amen. That's what surviving's all about. Amen. All right. Let's stand, if you will.